Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome back to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where today we are going to be having a discussion around why Stoics would be against cancel culture. Now, we know that uh, as we sort of have progressed as a society, especially since I'd say around 2020 is when it really became prevalent, cancel culture has really only increased in popularity and in severity. So today we're going to be taking a stoic approach sort of against why uh, cancel culture would be appealing to stoics. Yeah, well, cancel culture is definitely kind of a um, taboo, controversial topic. It's hard to even define cancel culture. I think for the context of our conversation, cancel culture is what it has morphed into in present day. Now, obviously, it was used um, in the Me Too movement and against popular celebrities who did horrible things to you know, take away their platform. And that use of cancel culture is good. That use of cancel culture promotes accountability for your actions, which is something that Stoics are a big believer in, in terms of accountability. But what it has turned into now is a sort of uh, social phenomenon where if you see something that you really disagree with, take a controversial issue like maybe abortion, and you see somebody you know in your personal life doesn't agree with you, and then you go shame them on social media for their opinion. That's what cancel culture has kind of morphed into. And now I do want to start out, this is probably going to be a pretty negative episode as we're talking about why Stokes would completely reject cancel culture. But I think the one thing that we can take hope from is that this was an Australian study published in 2022, where it said that 81% of our generation believes that cancel culture is bad. And I want to start out by saying that that's the hopeful point of today's episode is that we've kind of realized that cancel culture is a bad thing. It's morphed into something that has been used improperly and has targeted people who do not deserve it whatsoever. And so I think when we are talking about cancel culture today, there's two arguments to make. Stoics would reject cancel culture socially as they believe that it's something that does not promote accountability anymore and instead just gets rid of opinions that you disagree with, opinions that make you uncomfortable, statements, I guess I should say, not opinions. Um, any statement that makes you uncomfortable, something that you disagree with, is something that could be cause for cancellation nowadays. And then secondly, the second point that we make today is that as a Stoic, if you're somebody who's out there fighting for the common good and maybe you have some controversial opinions and somebody tries to cancel you, you shouldn't worry about it. And we'll go over why that is. Right. And I think it's important to say, it's interesting that you said that uh, that study, right, where 80%, around 80% of people in our generation think that it's bad. The reason that cancel, cult, cancel culture is so effective in areas is because it's wielded by the masses. So it doesn't actually really matter who is behind it, as long as there's a massive amount of people, you know, behind canceling someone, something, it's going to work, typically. And we've seen that. In the previous years, this year, last year, right? Every single year there are, you know, very famous people that get canceled. And typically the more famous the person, the more prone they are to being canceled because they have a larger audience, right? So it's interesting with cancel culture because while it is wielded by the masses, the the crowds that uh, could often lack sort of what's really going on and understand what's happening in certain situations because there's a there, there's always a lack of information on the media, right? It depends on where you're getting your sourcing from. So if you have a mass group of people that's only seeing one source, one perspective, someone could be unjustly canceled. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, if there's someone who said like really just egregious things, right? Like take, for example, Kanye, 
right? His anti-Semitic comments. That's like, that's something that sort of does need to be dealt with, right? And, or, and so that's, that's sort of an example, right? Where it's like, okay, all like these sources are covering it. And so then we can all say, okay, well, maybe there is something wrong here. But when it's certain, you know, I don't have a specific individual to come to mind, but where it's just like someone who's only being covered by one source and there's only one perspective being shown, lacks lacking information, and then we choose to cancel this person, that's not really just. Some people who have been on the verge of cancellation and kind of show like remorse and they're like, look, like, I'm sorry for what I did, still end up getting canceled. But there's plenty of people out there also that have done like actual terrible things who have received zero punishment whatsoever. So that's sort of why cancel culture doesn't really work also. Like, yes, it can promote accountability, but it's not always accurate and it's not always uh, effective. I think it's very important that you mentioned just. And if we're talking about how sto how a Stoic, how the Stoic school of philosophy analyzes cancel culture, it's obviously through virtue ethics, the Stoic virtue ethics. So the four Stoic virtues, um, wisdom, justice, temperance, courage, and then the vices, you know, cowardice. All of these things apply to this situation, make it very clear that the use of cancel culture nowadays is negative. And while it's cool that we mentioned like Kanye and like Dave Chappelle and recently Matt Reif and all these celebrities, I think what we kind of forget in society is that cancel culture just doesn't apply exclusively to celebrities. Cancel culture has wide ranging effects. It even it even goes towards academia. We just talked about academia last week. And while I kind of disparaged academic papers, we are now seeing in higher education that people are retracting opinion papers because there is negative backlash to them in the academic world. And that's not okay. I'm somebody who's very opinionated. If I see an academic paper that complete, I completely disagree with, I don't say, oh, that person needs to be canceled. They need to have their professor job taken. Let's ruin their lives. I don't, I don't say that. I say, okay, I'm going to sit down and read the paper and I'll critique it. And maybe there's something I can learn from this person. And that's, that's what a healthy, I feel like normal person would look at it. And I think the reality of cancel culture is I mentioned that 81% statistic. That means that 19% of people approve in our generation approve of cancel culture. So cancel culture, you said it was the masses, but it's a very, very small amount of people who are, have this mob mentality that we need to do this to this certain person. So if we reject that, then we accept things that make us uncomfortable and things that can make us grow. If you're trying to be wise, which is something you need to be virtuous and to live virtuously, then you need to have all available information. You can't just kind of categorize stuff into what you agree with and what you disagree with and only look at what you agree with, because then you get a very skewed view of the world. And then it leads to real issues. It leads to real issues that can become hateful, can become very, very biased. And so the exact thing that you intended to destroy when you canceled somebody who had an opinion that made you uncomfortable and you disagreed with becomes what you are doing. You're doing the same exact thing because you're pushing one narrative that people may disagree with and make people uncomfortable. But because you haven't considered other perspectives, that's why it's happening. And that's what cancel culture encourages is it says, oh, does this make you uncomfortable? It offends you. Well, let's cancel them. You can't see that. You can't see that on your algorithm. That can't be in your timeline. No. That's what cancel culture says. That's not how the real world works. And so it does us a real disservice when we embrace cancel culture, not only just looking at it philosophically, but looking at it societally. If we don't have academic opinion papers, then what can we base our knowledge off of? If we don't have research because people are afraid to touch uncomfortable issues, what are we going to be able to do? We're not going to have pertinent information to make decisions that are going to need to be made on these controversial issues. 
And that's just issue number one that I can raise today. But I, I feel like it's very important to frame it, like you said, as just and unjust and wise versus cowardice, because that, those are the values that we're playing with here with cancel culture. And it becomes very clear that those values oppose the virtue ethics that Stoics have emphasized for many, many years. Well, and the point that you made, like, while it is the 19%, that's why it's interesting to me, because typically you see like a giant uprise of people, right, against one person. It's like the mass versus one person. But this mass, like you said, it's only a small portion of our society, right? And so that's why it's kind of interesting to me. If we define, I guess, the freedom of speech or just freedom in general, right, is the power to, or the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint, Okay. So take that definition. Epictetus, he definitely he agrees that speech and thought are definitely part of that, but he sort of warns us against action. And so this is what's interesting to me because I sort of agree with this. So when when it comes to words, right? Speaking, thinking. Everyone has the freedom to think how they want, to speak how they want. And it's even in our first amendment, right? The freedom of speech, right? But there is no I guess when it comes to action, that's sort of where we draw the line, right? Because when someone's physical being is harmed and their life is harmed and they're actually endangered, they're actually threatened. Words don't threaten lives unless they are me like meant to provoke violence, right? But so that's sort of, there is sort of a, it's up in the air. It's all up for interpretation at some points, because while in my opinion, I think anyone should have the right to say whatever they want, whenever they want, period. Doesn't matter what it is. Now, does that mean I agree or we have to say, like, if someone were to go around being extremely racist, right? Do we agree with that person? Absolutely not. But technically, if we're going to say, like, freedom of speech, that encompasses all speech. Now, we have to make certain boundaries, right? Or, but who gets to decide what those boundaries are is where the sort of complication arrives. Because while we don't want words that are going to provoke more violence and maybe provoke, you know, people to be endangered, we don't want that. But at the same time, we have to understand that freedom of speech encompasses all speech. So if someone's going around being like absurdly racist, we're like, okay, that guy's crazy. Maybe stay away from that guy. Let's highlight this guy and say, yeah, this guy did this. But canceling someone because your opinions go against what their opinions are or because your beliefs are against what they're saying, that's like you said, sort of the, it's sort of in a uh, hypocrisy, right? Because like you're saying, oh, they can't push this one narrative. So we're going to push our narrative. So they can't push their narrative. It's sort of, you know, counterintuitive. But uh, the thing with cancel culture, we have to look at it. What is it really promoting, right? We're saying we can kind of run away from these things that are going to trigger us, right? We say trigger a lot of times now. And we're saying because, oh, like these words, they're, they're going to trigger people. They're going to have a bad reaction. But the only way that's really going to reduce, I guess, our tendency to feel like anger or fear or be triggered is to develop our character as well. It's not to run away and just push these things away and shove them under the rug. Now, like I said, and I'm going to reemphasize this, do we agree sometimes? Like, do we have to agree with everything everyone says? Absolutely not. Are there bad things to be said and good things to be said? I think we can all agree the answer is yes. But is the answer always to shove them under the rug and push and push them down and really only push one narrative forward? Absolutely not. No, it's, it's exactly correct. You made two very important points there. First, the freedom of speech aspect. So when we talk about freedom of speech, I'm of the same opinion of you where you should be able to say whatever you want, wherever you want. And 
the result of that is you face the consequences of what you say. So take your example. If somebody was absurdly racist, that person probably isn't going to get hired for a job. And that's the natural consequence of them having that opinion. But what cancel culture is doing now is two things. It's applying it not only to those kind of things, but controversial opinions, which is, you know, maybe the Second Amendment or abortion or economic policy, something like that, which those are areas of debate, not areas of being, which is problem number one. But problem number two is they are introducing kind of unnatural consequences for your words. So take that, for example, if somebody's being racist on the Internet, obviously they deserve to get canceled and their post is probably going to be taken down. Hopefully, I don't social media does a terrible job regulating that. But that's going to get emphasized and then they don't get that job. But if somebody has a controversial political opinion or something like that, they shouldn't be forced to hide that just so that they can be able to get a job and things like that. But that's what can't that's the place that cancel culture is in right now. And the the shame of that is that it leads to less of a informed debate. I'll, I'll take that same 2022 Australian study. And there's two important statistics that are less hopeful. And it's that 45% of our generation struggles to be their authentic selves because they feel that it's going to lead to exclusion or shame or judgment from a mob group as a result of cancel culture. And 40% of our generation is likely to self-censor their beliefs and opinions. That is way, way too much of our generation falling into that category. Four-tenths of our generation is unwilling to express their opinions openly just because of cancel culture. And that's a real shame. So while we can sit here and talk up the benefits of how cancel culture has gotten famous people who have done terrible things out of their platforms and out of their spots. The reality is famous people probably suck. They do terrible things. And that's always going to be a, a thing. But the regular average Joe, who's like a high school student, they decide, hey, I'm going to, I saw this cool graphic that is, you know, hyping up Trump or hyping up Biden. And I'm going to post it because, you know, I agree with it. And then all of a sudden they're getting shamed by their high school classmates and they feel ashamed of that belief. And so they're not going to express any more political beliefs. That's a real shame. And it's a real disservice to our generation because instead of sitting that person down and having a debate over it, and maybe you change their opinion, you just made them hate the world because they have voiced their opinion. And now all of a sudden they're getting canceled and their reputation is slammed and they feel very ashamed of just simply having an opinion. It's a terrible place for society to be. And I think whether we look at it stoically or non-stoically, we, by default, you have to disagree because the more we see less open dialogue, the more we see less open debate, it's more of a scary place for our generation to be. And the second point that you made that I really, really like is the point pointing out trigger warnings. Now, this is a personal vendetta for me. Trigger warnings do students and people our age such a disservice because it's not applicable to the real world. I'll take a real world example for you that happened to me a few weeks ago. So I'm in an introduction to student well-being class. Now, do I even agree with the premise of the class? Not really. Um, I feel like you're paying money, tuition to come here to learn applicable skills, not like Here's some resources to call if you feel sad. Not the point anyway. But there's trigger warnings in this class very frequently because it's a student well-being class and it's all of that emotional regulation kind of garbage. But you can skip certain lessons because you might get triggered. And I have a real problem. And I think that as actually a byproduct of cancel culture is trigger warnings. Saying if you feel uncomfortable with this material, go ahead and skip it. That's not how the real world works. It might be, actually. It might be in 40 years if we get... The people who have created this phenomenon into positions of power, there might be trigger warnings in the real world. But as it exists right now, trigger warnings do not exist in the real world. If you're working a job and something's like offensive to you and triggers you, you can't just throw up your hand and say, well, you know what, boss? I'm not going to do this because it's triggering. 
you're going to get fired. <laughs> They're not going to be like, oh, we understand. You're going to get fired. And so the reality is, if it makes you uncomfortable, embrace it so that you feel less uncomfortable about it. I just did, it reminds me of the Stoic reading I did this week where we're talking about uh, death and being afraid of death. And the only way that death lasts longer and you give power to death is if you fear it. The same thing with things that you're uncomfortable with. The longer you're afraid and your natural response to a subject is being uncomfortable or being afraid or being anxious, the more you're going to feel that way towards it. Versus if you just kind of go at it and attack it and say, okay, well, why do I feel this way? And kind of embrace the uncomfortability of it. Then all of a sudden, that's not your natural response anymore because you've handled the situation. So I think cancel culture, like I said from the top, has a wide ranging impact. And we see it in trigger warnings. We see it, as I mentioned, with professors, professionals who are withdrawing opinion papers and their opinions and their research because they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to lose their job. It's all negative. So you can give me the good celebrity examples, but then when you apply it to the real world and to real people who are not celebrities who do these terrible things on a regular basis, it doesn't stand up. It's all negative and it's all leading to one road, which is here's the narrative. Here's what you have to agree with. If you don't, well, you're out of the tribe and that's disgusting. Well, and the other byproduct also of, because you brought up trigger warnings, but we've also brought in cancel culture too and you brought also brought up academia but we're sort of instead of i wouldn't say because we're, we're not necessarily canceling results but we're withholding um giving individuals the result that they've earned and what i mean by that is there was an example it was i think it was like a year or two ago pretty recent of this high school that this that like withheld the sat scores from the students because they didn't want to hurt the feelings of the students who didn't score as high. And so these students didn't know what they got on these SAT scores because they were trying to like save the feelings of the other people who didn't score as high. And then they like a bunch of kids didn't get into college, whatever. There was also the example of like schools are getting rid of valedictorian because they don't want to hurt the feelings of the people who didn't get valedictorian and who were below. So that's sort of that's also a problem that I have. And I don't I personally we didn't take valedictorian very seriously and we didn't take, you know, the SAT scores very seriously. Well, in terms of personal uh, how it defines us as people, right? Getting into college, sure, we have to take it seriously. But as how the scores define us as people, we don't necessarily take it very personally. But when we're taking away earned hard work, like hard work, uh, how do I want to phrase this? Results that have been worked very hard for by people, right? And we're taking those away to protect the feelings of others. That seems like the most unjust logic of all time, right? That's not because like you said, that's not how the world's going to work. No, if, if someone gets a promotion at a job, right? But they're not going to give them the promotion because they don't want to hurt the feelings of everyone else who didn't get a promotion. We wouldn't be progressing forward. And I'm not saying that life is all one big competition, but at some point you have to realize things get competitive in the real world. It's sort of a race, right? We're trying to see like, how can I get better and better and better? And it's sort of like, if you get left behind, like just work harder, but then cancel culture sort of is an excuse to say, oh, I'm lazy. I don't really want to work hard, but I want to cancel the people who are working hard. So my feelings aren't hurt that I didn't get what they get, right? I saw this interesting perspective about how the ancient Greeks and the Romans would have viewed cancel culture. And it said that they might have viewed it as a form of like exile, right? So like exiling a person because they didn't follow the narrative. 
I think that's a great example because obviously there wasn't Facebook in, you know, the BC era, but what would they do if someone went against what the people in power said they would be exiled, right? But now today we have to ask ourselves with cancel culture, who is deciding these boundaries of what is acceptable and what's not? That's sort of where the source comes from. We, that like if the people who decide that are the ones who can say, oh, cancel this person, but don't cancel this person, but watch this person. Who is deciding that? Because if we look at the Constitution, right, that decides a lot of the laws in the country. But cancel culture is merely opinion-based. It's merely how we feel, right? And so this is the point that I know you're really eager to bring up, but is reputation damage, is how cancel culture can damage the reputations of others, but how, as a Stoic, reputation is, in, is one of the things we can't control. I know you're going to bring that up with Epictetus and what he said. Well, no. So I think one th important thing that you kind of highlighted there is that it's all an actually re emotional based response. Cancel culture is a byproduct of an emotional based response. Now, Stoics, like the first thing you think about when you hear Stoicism is controlling your emotions, regulating your emotions. Now, are you really regulating your emotions if you see somebody say the vaccine is bad and you get angry and you say you suck, like, let's go cancel this person? That's not an appropriate use of your emotions. An appropriate use of your emotions is to take a second. If you get angry, sure, sure. If it's an opinion you disagree with, getting angry for a second, natural response. But you don't act on that. You instead take a step back, be calm, and maybe throw a resource in there, and hopefully they can learn. And you mentioned, you mentioned I'm going to talk about Epictetus, but first I want to talk about a quote that he has where he says that when somebody acts badly towards you or speaks badly of you, remember that he is acting or speaking in that way because he regards that as being the proper thing for him to do. Now, it's, it's, it isn't possible for him to act in accordance with what seems right to you, but only with what seems right to him. So if he judges wrongly, he is the one who suffers the harm since he is the one who has been deceived. If you start out then from this way of thinking, you'll be gentle with somebody who abuses you, for in each case you'll say, that is how it seemed to him. And it's a very important quote because it's exactly how we describe the process of forming an opinion here. If somebody says that same opinion and you disagree with it, they believe it and it's right to them. That, that's why they're posting it. If you think it canceling them and not allowing them to even hear the other side and just saying, let's ruin their lives because they have this opinion, is that really going to help them? Or is that going to put them further down the rabbit hole in that opinion that you disagree with? And that's where we get into civil discourse and civil disagreement. The way that people change their opinions is not by you sh screaming at them on social media or to their face. It's by having a healthy discussion about it. And maybe you change their opinion with your perspective. But cancel culture encourages you to be lazy and not do that. It says, oh, you don't want to debate this person and you disagree? Well, let's cancel them. Why don't, instead, why don't we emphasize the building of wisdom, the building of knowledge within our society, which is something the Stoics would emphasize greatly, as the more wise you get, the more connected you can be with capital and nature. Why don't we instead do that, right? Why don't we instead have open debates and civil discussions instead of canceling each other? But that's the place that we are at currently. And so that's kind of the last point I'd like to make with it is if the first thing you think about stoicism, and when I'm asked about stoicism all the time, it's about, it's kind of the cliche of like, oh, that means you don't show emotions, right? That's what everybody thinks about stoicism. And while that's not true, it's more about emotional regulation than just emotional elimination. A proper emotional regulation would say that we just need to engage with this person civilly and maybe we can change their opinion, not get angry, get upset and say, let's push this away. Let's move away from this because it makes me feel uncomfortable. But the second point that we were going to discuss today 
was how Stoics reject it and why they would reject it on a personal level. If you're somebody who's being canceled, or I mean, I don't think anybody who's really going to listen to this episode and fully agree with us and listen this far is going to be the one canceling anybody. But if you're somebody who's getting canceled and it's not because you said some really dumb stuff that you deserve to get some blowback for, you can reject cancel culture because simply the dichotomy of control. So it's very interesting when Epictetus was talking about his dichotomy of control. There were four things that he listed specifically that were not within our power. Body, property, reputation, and office. And I'd like to focus on reputation. So like you, may, like you mentioned, cancel culture is sort of a form of social exile. You say something I disagree with, oh, there goes your job, your popularity, your status, your platform, everything. Your office, really. Your office and your reputation are gone. But it's really funny then that Epictetus mentions those two things specifically as things that are outside of your control and that you should not worry about. So if you're somebody who is a practicing Stoic and you are fighting for the common good and you maybe hold an opinion that's controversial and you voice it and somebody says, oh, I disagree with that. Happens to us a lot. We don't really get canceled, but, you know, we get called stuff on comments in our videos and that's fine. Which Loki, by the way, I would like to say makes us feel noticed. So we actually appreciate any feedback, positive or negative. I, I, yeah, no, I agree with that. We can, we could talk about that for a lot, but just using that as, a, as an example, who cares, right? Your reputation, you can't control. You can be doing great things in life and you, somebody disagrees with you on one specific thing, but like you're a charitable, generous person who's doing great things in the world, but they disagree with one opinion and you get canceled. So what? Because the only person who really honestly controls your path, your reputation doesn't control your path. There's only really one response you can have to getting canceled. And that's like, I believe that that's my truth. And I'm going to keep fighting for it. And I think that's much, much more respectable than people who kind of cave under the pressure of cancel culture. Now, if you're somebody who did something very inappropriate and somebody called you on it, go apologize for that. Take accountability. But if you're someone like, and I'll use Dave Chappelle as an example here, maybe it's a controversial point, but if you're somebody like Dave Chappelle who makes his life's money for making jokes, and then you tell a joke that people don't like and they try to get canceled, I, I really like his response, which was he just doubled down on it. And he doubled down on what he believed and really what makes him his money. And he wasn't going to be silenced. He wasn't going to have people dictate what he does when he's on stage as he should. And that's kind of the mindset that you have to embrace in your life. Are you really going to let other people tell you what your opinion should be? Now, obviously, consider other people's perspectives. But if you're in the situation where you voice this opinion and people say, look at this moron, look at this idiot, and then they find your job and then they send your boss emails saying, look at what he said, fire this guy, and it goes down the spiral, are you really going to sit there and say, well, because these people are mean, I'm going to change my opinion? No. That's not what a strong person does. That's a very weak-willed move to say, because these people disagree with me and were mean about it, I'm going to change my opinion. How weak are you? How weak are you that that's what changes your opinion? It changes your perspective and your voice. Because your voice is one of the most powerful tools you have. So the proper response as a practicing stoic, if you get canceled, um, is first, reach out to us and we'll give you a platform. That's the first thing I'd like to say. If you're out there getting canceled, we will give you a platform. Secondly, the, as long as you're not getting canceled for something absolutely egregious. Yeah, as long as you're not out there spewing hate and inspiring violence, those are our two standards. If you're not spewing hate or calling for violence, we will give you a platform if you're getting canceled. 
good catch. Probably should make those conditions known. Big disclaimer. Secondly, is just say, this is my truth and I'm not going to apologize for it. And face the consequences. Because I think in reality, a lot of people, Dave Chappelle gained a following just because people respected the values that he stood up with and him not kowtowing and being his own person. And I mentioned that 81% statistic. If 81% of our generation believes cancel culture is bad, and that's the lowest out of any generation, that's the lowest percent of people who believe it's bad. So there are a lot of people disagree with cancel culture. So the reality is, while you may feel the pressure, and that's understandable because that's all that's on your timeline, you're getting mobbed by people who are very mean, very hateful, and are doing terrible things to you. The reality is, the public is going to respect you more if you just stand up for your opinions and use your voice rather than kind of kowtowing to the mob mentality and being scared and being weak about it. And that's my, that's kind of my remark on just personally how Stoics reject cancel culture, because it's not something you should worry about controlling your reputation. You should worry about your words being as true as possible and what you believe in and standing up for principles and values. And if you meet those criteria, then who gives an ounce of thought to what other people consider and think and act upon your words because well, you know what is true in your heart and you know what your intentions were behind them well to your point that you'll be respected publicly a lot more if you uphold and withhold your values consistently i'd like to point out that that's not the reason you should do that the, the it's very honorable as a practicing stoic to essentially die standing on your beliefs that's what you that's the last thing you do you do not change your beliefs. And when I say that, I mean, you do not shift your beliefs simply because somebody is forcing you to. Should you be open to new perspectives? Should you be open to new opinions? Absolutely. But if your reason for shifting your opinion or your belief is simply because someone is intimidating you or threatening you or saying you're going to be canceled if you don't start you know, agreeing with our narrative and you do, that's sort of what would be seen as dishonorable, right? You have to stay consistent with what you're, with what you're saying. And the, the last, I guess, remark I have about why personally a Stoic would disagree uh, or why a, like personally a Stoic would disagree with cancel culture is because at the end of the day, if the whole idea behind Stoicism is emotional regulation, then it's pretty obvious that if cancel culture is simply an emotionally based response, that that's two things coinc- are uh, conflicting with each other that are like mere opposites. If Stokes are like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe we shouldn't take an emotional approach to deal with this opinion. And then cancel culture is like, I, that offended me and I dislike that. So gone, basically. Jordan Peterson has a fantastic quote where he says, in order to tell the truth, you have to risk being offensive. And that is no matter if it doesn't matter if you like him or if you dislike him, we can all agree that that's true because there's a quote also backing it up that says the truth hurts. So if you don't like what the truth is, it's going to hurt, but it doesn't change the fact that the truth is true. Now, opinions, that's where it gets different, but that is our own personal truth, right? And we have the freedom to express that. And if someone's going to sit here and tell you, you cannot express your personal truth because it doesn't align with mine or because it offends mine. That's a completely illogical argument to make. So I think that aspect of cancel culture has no valid reasoning behind it if you really look at where it's stemming from. Now, I definitely agree with, you know, shutting down people who are provoking violence, provoking hate. Definitely 
all for that. But when it comes to opinions that simply just aren't aligning with what, you know, the mass is believing, what the, what the narrative is being pushed for, I mean, that's sort of why we have the freedom of speech in the first place is because if everyone had to confine to one opinion, I mean, that'd be a dictatorship. You'd be basically communist not to get into that. But I'm just saying that's sort of the beauty of what our constitution is even saying is, yeah, you have the freedom to think and to speak. So shutting this down and speaking of which, this really only happens on social media. You won't see someone get canceled in person. You won't see someone walk up to somebody and say, you're canceled. I mean, maybe, but it's not going to work to the same effect. The reason social media has that effect is because one, it's anonymous. People are a lot, uh, I would say they have a lot more bravery on social media because they're more anonymous, or even if they're not anonymous, they're just not being seen. You're, you're hidden behind the safety of your screen. So you're more likely to say, no, like screw that guy, screw this guy. I hate this. I don't like this. But also because like you said, algorithms, one perspective can be pushed to millions and maybe billions of people like that. In person, it doesn't really work like that, right? So that's sort of also why it's been so effective. So my closing remark is if you are this far in the episode and you are a practicing Stoic or an aspiring practicing Stoic, let's really just analyze where the unjustness of cancel culture stems from is an emotional response to an opinion or to a perspective that you disagree with, right? And also, before you decide to dislike someone, maybe you should look at the entirety of that person, right? Because even people that we agree with have said really stupid things that we're like, okay, I don't agree with that, but that doesn't mean I hate the person, right? So there's definitely great role models out there that still slip up. There's no perfect role model, you know, I mean, besides, in my opinion, Jesus Christ, but I'm not trying to make this about religion, but there's, there's really no perfect human role model out there that we can look up to that's never made a mistake or said something we don't agree with. Even the Stoics have said things that were like, like, I don't agree with that right at first, but how can, how can we analyze it further and see what's up with this, right? So that's my closing remark is, one, also do not act right away, uh, simply because you see one thing from one person and say, Boom, that's my opinion of them done. Uh, we actually got a comment on our one of our recent, uh, I think it was YouTube shorts that said, that was sort of going against what you said. You were saying, you know, take time to form opinions. And I would like to address this comment just because I thought it was interesting. I was reading it and they said, um, well, like if you take, uh, I don't, I'm going to pull up the comment because I, I got, got you. you. I got you. I got you. You have so, the comment? This was interesting. No, so it's an interesting point And I, you know, I think this goes towards the fact that we're trying to get more interaction and involve people on the podcast. But I, I'm basically of the opinion that the more time you take to form an opinion, the more likely it is to be strong and an opinion that you can actually defend. Now, I agree with this comment that that can't be applied universally because some people, for all the time they take to form their opinions, are still going to be wrong. And this user. Uh, commented an example of somebody who watches five minutes of a video explaining the earth is round versus listening to an idiot for an hour who says the earth is flat and then them believing the earth is flat. And that's a fine example. But I would still like to stick behind the belief that uh, a society that takes more time to form their opinions are generally going to have better opinions than one that doesn't take any time at all and lets their opinion kind of float in the wind. And I don't I don't really know what um, point you're going to make with it, but I just I agree that it was an interesting comment, and I think it's something again where 
instead of us being upset with it and saying we feel uncomfortable, I think it just opens up a healthy discussion around what I said, which it's always good to check what people say. So I think that's just an example of healthy dialogue that we can utilize further in the future. And hopefully we get more of that as we progressively post more clips throughout the episode uh, and throughout our kind of span of doing the podcast and we get more engagement because it's really fun, honestly. Even if we get like the most hateful comments, it's still fun to re- to kind of read and see the feedback we get and the commentary we get and our, our own opinions challenged and pushed. And so I'll let you finish up, but that was the kind of my thought process behind that comment. Well, no, and that, that's essentially what I was going to say. I just needed to read the comment to make that point. But also the reason I, I wanted to address that is because it was well, it was well worded and it was respectfully, you know, approached, right? It wasn't like, oh, these idiots, right? And it was like, take this example. It was someone opinionating, you know, against sort of what you were saying. And I was like, okay, like, fair enough. Like, that's a good point. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Instead of where we've had comments who were like, these stupid kids have no idea what they're talking about. You should get an education, which we actually did get. And I thought it was funny. But the reason I chose to, you know, respond to that one was because it was a valid, it was a valid argument and it was respectful and it was well, it was well thought out clearly, you know, provided with an example. And that's sort of coming back around full circle to my point is that's really what we should be doing instead of just canceling people. I mean, that guy could have said, he could have said, this kid's dumb. Like, get this kid out of here, like cancel this guy for having this opinion. But instead he was like, here's my opinion on this. And now we can like talk it out. Now we can't talk to this person because I don't know who it is, but we can at least have a civil discussion among the two of us about the feedback that we got. That's what society should be pushing for is civil disagreements, right? You want to civilly disagree on issues to progress forward instead of just shoving one away and only going towards one without talking about it first. That's my final remark is that's how progress is made is through well thought out, you know, discussion, well thought out disagreement, because you have to disagree in order to move forward, right? If everyone agrees with one narrative, you're never going to make progress in any other direction but that. So if you want to have the possibility of going multiple directions, going multiple ways, you have to have conflicting beliefs and you have to be willing to talk those out. Yeah. Now, the last point that I would like to make is a commentary on kind of like the societal impact of cancel culture. When we look at the worst leaders in history, whether it's we look at different Roman emperors and how they ruled, or Hitler, or Mussolini, or some dictators, the common theme of terrible leaders is that they enforce one narrative, and they don't allow questions, and they cancel, which for horrible leaders, canceling means they either exile or kill the person, which we're not there yet, thankfully. But that's what terrible leaders have done throughout history, is they cancel anybody and they get rid of anybody who disagrees with their narrative, questions anything, and they don't allow for civil disagreements, like you said. But functioning democracies like America, when we historically have had success, we allow for that civil disagreement. We allow for open debates. And I think some of it starts with the current kind of landscape of politics in the American society. I think that's where some of the cancel culture comes in. But if we look at just America now as an example, think about back to in the 1950s, I believe, with like McCarthyism and the Red Scare and how we had a witch hunt for communists in this country. And that led to people self-censoring themselves and not expressing their opinions. And it led to um, academic suffering and society suffering. And now think about now we're in a place where we're the most, it seems like, divided ever with maybe the exception of the Civil War in America. 
and we can't have civil, civil disagreements because of the cancel culture that we see. It's interesting. There's a New York Post um, study where 9% of professors said they self-censored during that McCarthyism era versus the statistic now is 90%. So 90% of our professors, the people who are supposed to teach us in higher academia, self-censor. 40% of our own generation self-censors. We have so many people who are afraid to just share their beliefs because of the fear of getting canceled. That's a terrible place for society to be. As a Stoic, I'm somebody who emphasizes justice and wisdom. It's not just to simply say, because I disagree with this opinion, I'm going to get rid of it. And I'm going to try and take a dig at them that isn't just disagreeing with their opinion, but ruining a facet of their lives. It's something that's unjust and it's not wise because instead of you acquiring the knowledge that that person may have about the issue, you just say, you know what? Screw this person. They're done. They're done. And I don't have to consider this opinion anymore. And it's awful. And you may think that it's good in certain examples, but when we have, again, 90% of professors and 40% of our generation, just simply being afraid to state their opinion is a terrible place for society to be. And it's something that Stoics disagree with. Stoics always were civil people. They were always in constant debate. And if you want to uphold any of these Stoic values, if you want to think about dichotomy of control or emotional regulation or the Stoic virtue ethics or literally any Stoic teaching, it requires open dialogue. And you know what else requires open dialogue? A well-functioning democracy and a well-functioning society. So with that being said, this has been the latest episode of the Gen Z Stoic. A discussion around cancel culture. Uh, as we discussed, if you'd like to, you know, maybe get on the podcast episode, leave some feedback on one of our clips, we can discuss it on here. Or if you'd just like to reach out to us, we'd also be open to having discussions that way as well. We always love engaging with people who disagree or agree with us. And with that being said, thank you for listening as always. I've been your co-host, Ren. And I've been your co-host, Mateo. And we will see you guys next week.